API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code Intersection10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more details. I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. So uh, over the last you know year and a half or whatever we've done this thing, uh, on numerous occasions, I've probably said, uh, and, and in fact, I may have here, I'm not sure, even used the word vampires to describe usage-based billing. So I'm just going to say now ahead of uh, introducing our guest, uh, that this is going to be a different look at when does that actually make sense, um, which is to say that I do believe that usage-based billing is okay sometimes, uh, but uh, <laughs> it'll be a fun discussion. So I want to introduce uh, Bahailu Tetlasadik, and yes, I practiced, and yes, I'm proud of, and did I say that right? Yes, you did. Uh, awesome. Hi, everyone. Great to meet everyone. <laughs> Uh, so he's coming to us from archetype.dev, a uh, new startup uh, kind of spinning up focused on uh, usage-based billing and APIs. But you tell me more. Like, Tell us a little bit about what y'all are doing. Yeah, sure. So essentially what we're doing at Archetype is we're building a solution for API-first companies to essentially enable them to monetize their APIs and essentially manage out like a lot of this infrastructure that it requires, right? So when it comes to building flexible pricing models for each of their enterprise customers, to assigning permissions, roles, um, to managing their API keys, uh, authentication, um, to rate limits for each of their endpoints. Um, we certainly, and uh, in, in addition to basically like, you know, managing the accounting and invoicing that comes with like, you know, managing and tracking all the usage records. Um, we sort of like own all of that end to end. So companies can really focus on building their core product and their core value product. Um, we tend to find that a lot of companies are very distracted by building this. And when it comes to like sort of like offering different custom plans, thinking about experimentation and actually trying to figure out what to charge their customers in the long run, um, it ends up being like a huge nightmare for these companies. Um, so we just sort of like wanted to make that less of a pain point. Which, by the way, I want to add, that's why I generally tell people this kind of advice of like, you probably don't want to do that because it's always freaking hard. So uh, I am like uh, kind of jazzed at the the value prop you guys have on trying to solve this. I think traditionally this has been a thing that like the API gateway companies have kind of tapped into. Mm -hmm. So like, does that play a role in what you guys are doing? So that's actually kind of interesting. So what we do is we actually interface directly with uh, people's backend. So if you wanted to build an API gateway on top of what we've done, we sort of like allow you to do that so you can build at scale. We didn't want to tie people to like, you know, different API gateway services. And I've talked to some people that worked uh, at these API gateways. A lot of them tap into it, but they haven't really made it a core focus um, because I think like it's such a different problem versus what they're doing with the gateways. Yeah, I mean, you're taking on a lot of inherent complexity, latency, all those things with um, with gateways. And I think increasingly with like Kubernetes-based infrastructure and things like Envoy, right? Like a lot of the traditional gateways aren't really playing a role in, in some of the more modern infrastructure. Yeah. Um, so I think that's smart. Um, another fun bit here in the show notes, I noticed um, you had worked before on a, or 
currently still theoretically working based on your LinkedIn profile on a, mm-hmm. a product called Lantern, uh, an iOS app. Um, but uh, I'd love to hear you share the story here on like, how did you go from Lantern to now working on API billing stuff? Sure. Um, so that's kind of an interesting story. So my co-founder and I, um, we started Lantern in 2020 because we basically saw an opportunity market around options trading. And we saw that, hey, you know, a lot of retail investors out there didn't really get access to option market insight. Our, ourselves, we lost a ton of money, you know, trading options. And we figured, you know, this is a huge pain point. So we did that for about a year through an iOS app, providing insights, um, you know, doing some really cool stuff, working with like a lot of the, um, you know, big exchanges and whatnot. But like about a year in, we quickly realized there was a lot of value in the data that we were sourcing because we were getting like a lot of option market data in real time, um, pretty much every transaction. And people found that really, really valuable. So we tried to spin up an API and ended up taking us two months to sort of like just take what we had like in our existing infrastructure and launch it like in a monetizable way. And a lot of that pain came from the fact that we had no idea how to like sort of like build this. Think about like, you know, entitlements. Think about, um, you know, how do we charge each of our enterprise customers like, you know, a different uh, plan, a different amount for each different plan? How do we think about like creating a self-serve model, um, managing people's API keys, letting people reset their API key? It was actually a very generalizable problem. And we had no idea how to, it, it took us a long time to sort of like build this up just from like a raw strike. And we quickly realized, you know, there was, a huge pain point, a huge opportunity here. When we talked to like other fintech API, a lot of them ran through the same problem that we did. So in September, we sort of like started talking to a bunch of companies about like sort of like the pain points that we encountered. There was a lot of overlap. And then in December, we started working on it. We saw a lot of opportunity, got a lot of LOIs. Um, started working on it like more aggressively in February, closed around there. And then realized, you know, archetype is th- definitely the way to go. Like huge, much, much bigger opportunity here. Um, and... And with regard to the Lantern, we were thinking about getting it acquired as of September because people had been trying to acquire us for a very long time. Um, So we figured like now was the right time. So, I mean, if you look at the markets right now, it's probably fortunate that we sort of like decided to take a stab at this earlier rather than later. I love it, man. I love the uh, roller coaster origin stories of of bright ideas and startups. Um, You know, I think of like, uh, Kong starting as Mashape and then figuring yeah. out that, you know, their whole open source API gateway thing was kind of the future and selling off the Mashape side of the business. Um, Rebilly, uh, originally focused on billing, ended up, you know, focusing more on the developer portal and documentation aspect and launching uh, Redockly. So it's it's funny how often in the kind of this API space, um, you know, we're all trying to figure out how to make these problems more efficient in building some other product and you end up uh, building an API centric thing. Um, but I'll just say, I love those stories because they're solving selfish problems, which, um, sounds bad, but like, that's what drives people to actually get stuff that makes sense. Right. Because you've actually felt the pain. So I love that. Yeah, I agree. I feel like there's a lot of context lost when you build products or solutions for people, problems that other people have, right? For a problem that you have, you sort of like will understand intimately what your problem is. You just sort of have to contextualize it into what is a you problem and what is like a problem with like the existing market, right? If that makes sense. So uh, I guess back to uh, our framed point of contention here in some ways, which is, you know, uh, so my perspective is always like, especially with a lot of SaaS based products these days, it's like, if you're charging on some value point and then you want to have the ability to integrate, it's like, don't 
don't create a barrier to adopt the API by pricing it. That said, like there's a whole other category of things that are a little more commoditized in their nature that are innately priceable on usage. Um, like I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, for listeners, kind of what's the right way to think about when this is an appropriate sort of pricing strategy for APIs. I mean, that's an interesting point. Um, I would say like there there are two theaters of thought here, uh, two schools of thought here. Um, with subscription-based models, like essentially you have a flat rate pricing. So the it, customers from one end who barely use your product are paying the same amount as customers who love your product and use it super regularly. Um, and I think the idea behind usage-based pricing is the idea that you want to charge people for the value that they get from your product and in as like as close to that as you can, right? Um, and with that, like, it's obviously going to be like very specific to the sort of products that you have, right? Um, so let's say you have, I feel, I feel like a good example is, let's say, an NFT minting API, right? Let's say you could charge people a subscription for minting, um, you know, let's say 100 uh, NFTs. But what if you just want to charge people, let's say, a dollar for any every mint um, that you do? Um, like, let's say that, that's a lot more palatable, I think, to people because how many NFTs are they going to mint like every month? Um, and I think that's going to drive a lot more adoption. Um, there's also some stuff, too. Like, I, I know there is a big industry, you know, for KYC APIs, like, you know, Checker, uh, for example, where essentially um, they charge for usage on top of, like, let's say, a base commitment. Um, and, and for listeners, KYC being know your customer, sort of like identity type stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Identity verification is very, very hard. There's a lot of companies like Identity Pass, which is a fellow um, Matt Porco, um, where they also charge for usage. Right. Like it's really it really depends. Right. You're not going to charge um, for a usage amount for like, let's say Netflix. Right. I always use Netflix as a good example for like, um, you know, usage base, even though it's not like the most appropriate model. But um it, it, it hopefully that contextualizes it a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's like if you can clearly see that like value per call is mm -hmm. quantifiable and that there isn't some existing subscription model in place already, um, it, then it makes sense. And I mean, to some extent, if you're going to launch a product that is only an API, well, yeah, you've got to have something. Yeah. And I guess. That's my other curiosity here is like, um, and, and I know you're still very early in and in some ways, uh, you know, by the time this airs, uh, really kind of starting to open the doors a bit, but in terms of kind of early discussions and learning, you know, how many, how much do you think that like API only kind of products versus, you know, folks trying to be API first and adding an API into an existing product? Like, how do you see you guys fitting in between those worlds? I think we can fit into both worlds fairly easily. Um, API first companies, um, like, uh, companies that are launching APIs are going to find this sort of like more easier to integrate, I think, because we can be, they, we can be with them from the very start. Um, companies that already have an existing infrastructure in place and they have a clear and present pain point, let's say with like, you know, um, doing their accounting or like, you know, tax reconciliation, like manually uh, versus like, you know, doing something automatically through archetype or companies that sort of like want to build in, you know, their own like permissioning system, um, like, and they have something baked in already and they just want to switch over to something that's easier or like more performant. Um, that'll be a bit, a little bit more difficult, but I think the pain point is so big there that they're much more willing to integrate a solution like archetype. 
Um, that's sort of how I see it. And there's definitely like um, a couple like, uh, you know, buyer personas, I think that we can like fit into fairly well across both groups. Um, you know, b both of us coming from a software engineering background, although you've touched code a lot more recently than me, I'm sure. Uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, putting my product hat on here, um, I, I love that you guys are talking about figuring out like a uh, willingness to pay kind of stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like experimentation. Um, you know, is that something that you're, you're leveraging some other existing experimentation platform? Are you, you know, like, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird one for me to think about with kind of API mm -hmm. stuff. And is this just more about kind of, you know, what you're showing on the pricing page and, and correlating it to API tokens or how do you see that working? So this one is, it's less of a platform tool that we can use and more of like um, a benefit of using Archetype. We're fairly like, we're still fairly early on in sort of like that school of thought. But essentially the idea behind it is you can charge like a, let's say like I have a general model, like let's say charge people $10 uh, an API call for something and see the usage, like how many, how much revenue did you just generate in the last month? And then spin up a new pricing model like the next month and then just see how much people are willing to pay there like you know all else being equal and then from there you can do some comparison and we sort of like allow the flex allow users to have the flexibility to do that um i think obviously there's a lot that you can be that can be done i think to make this like more intelligent and build some like smarter insights around that and that's sort of like what my co-founder is going to be doing because he has a data science background here so, I mean, as you look at what you guys have learned in researching this space, you know, leading up to kind of launching, um, you know, what do you kind of see as sort of, you know, best practices around, you know, uh, API billing, uh, you know, obviously with usage base, but um, there's certainly other models out there. Mm -hmm. um, and are there kind of existing models out there that folks could sort of look to emulate when they're thinking about their pricing and packaging strategy on APIs? Mm, yeah, there is some interesting stuff. I, I think like a lot of thing that we've seen is people want to offer volume-based discounts if they're doing usage-based pricing. Um, so, and I think there's a lot of systems where they can't really do that right now, which I was, thought was kind of interesting. Um, I think if you are doing usage-based pricing, definitely think about like whether doing volume-based discounts makes sense to your customers. And then there's some also some other things around can you um, offer, like, can you charge a commitment, right? Like a minimum uh, for their usage. And then like, let's say your usage is free for the first 10,000 API calls. And then like, you know, a 10 cents for the next like 100,000. And then like offer volume-based discount from there. There's a lot of, ex there's a lot of ways that you can sort of like think about pricing as well. And I would also, when you're thinking about it in the context of API, just take a look at like, what are your users doing? Are there, there APIs that people are finding much more valuable um, or endpoints that people are finding much more valuable or certain sections of their data, like, you know, certain fields that they're searching for that tend to be more commonly searched and think about like whether is that going to be taxing on you? Is that more valuable? Can you charge more for that? Um, I think there's a lot of things that people can do to like optimize their revenue here. Um, and then when it comes to uh, subscription based, like obviously there's going to be like, it's going to be, I think, I feel like a lot more straightforward um, as well. Well, like then it's just like really thinking about like, well, well, how much can you charge and how much value are they going to get out of your product? Yeah, I love that that concept that you touched on that it's like, how taxing is this going to be for you? I feel like it's, mm -hmm. for me, it's always an easy way to justify the value of something in, in API terms is like, sure, you know, we can provide this, but uh, it's going to 
cost us a lot of system resources. It's going to be hard to scale and thereby it's expensive um, versus something that's maybe a very solved problem, very optimized, should be relatively cheap, right? Um, or yeah. something that's so commoditized, there's so many options out there, it's so competitive um, and that, you know, you could probably find something open source and do it yourself. Um, but I, I think sometimes that like, complexity cost isn't always a part of the equation and how folks think about pricing. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it especially matters if you're thinking about something that's like regulatory, like, um, let's say, scanning people's, um, you know, IDs or their passports or something like, like going back to the KYC example, um, like that can be some fairly expensive computations, you know, you probably have some sort of like, um, you know, uh, you know uh, computer vision going on as well, or like, you're probably using some sort of like resource um, off Google or something to do that. On top of that, like you have to like scan work with the, work with the government to do that. They probably charge you a lot. Um, so there, there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. And that's how like you have to think about pricing as well. I guess the other thing that comes to mind when I think about this subject is like, um, those of us who've been in APIs for a while, all have had that client who accidentally pushed an infinite loop to production on a Friday night, you know, uh, it just goes banging away at the API and you're, digging around on LinkedIn, trying to find them. And hey, what'd you do, man? Like you're calling us a million times a minute, um, which I would think from a, a billion pricing standpoint, you'd want to like somehow alert somebody that this yeah. is happening. Right. So I'd imagine that sort of these um, anomaly detections would be important. Yep. They are. They're, there's something that we, uh, people have given us some feedback about. Like there's also the idea of the, you know, using a soft cap and a hard cap. Like, uh, let's say a soft cap, you get given alert to like a certain, uh, you know, customer that they've reached, let's say 80 or 90% of their threshold. Um, and then a hard cap, let's say if they've gone, gone like, let's say 110 or 120% of their usage and just like cap it there, um, just so they don't like blow their entire budget. And if it was like a mistake, you can go back and reconcile it, be like, okay, like clearly you guys like did not intend to do this or something like that. Um, there, there's also a lot, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. You can tie it to webhooks, just like have some Slack alerts as well when, um, you know, as a vendor, just saying, hey, this one customer using this API like a million times when they're only like meant to use it like a, a thousand times, for example. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it, it'd be nice if, if everybody had some sort of uh, performance baseline testing when changes get pushed. But, you know, if you've been around software engineering long enough, you know, there's rarely time yeah. to build those things. So, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> Um, well, uh, you know, it's funny, we, we end up on the show here with a lot of folks that come from really well-established programs that everybody knows about. Uh, but you know, uh, I've spent a good chunk of my career in startups and, uh, always have a heart for folks that are, you know, trying to figure it out and come up. Um, so now you guys are right on the cusp of kind of launching here in kind of, uh, you know, prime time. So, uh, any sort of call outs to uh, listeners here on, you know, uh, kind of where all that's going here uh, in the month of September 2022? Yeah, um, I would say um, if you guys are interested in uh, thinking about usage based billing or flexible pricing models um, and you're sort of like struggling with that or like automatic tax, automatic tax reconciliation or anything like that, um, feel free to give us a shout out. Um, we're happy to give demos, um, give people walkthroughs, um, get people on board using their product. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, any other closing thoughts, word, words of wisdom on the subject here? Um, hmm, that's a good one. 
I would say um, one thing is obviously usage-based billing is not right for everyone. Um, and you have to be very careful about like how you think about it. And you don't want to sort of like just jump into a new pricing model before um, before you're even ready or before you've done your research uh, into whether it makes sense. And one of the big things that we're trying to do at Archetype is we give people the flexibility to do that. Um, even if you just want to charge a subscription or just like a user-based model, there's all also, it's really just like a flexible pricing model um, that we can sort of like let customers uh, use it for. Yeah, it's cool. I, I think I think of it, and I don't know, I'm like actively thinking here while we're talking about yeah. It's like quite often the challenge is how do you get adoption uh, yeah. on, on an API? And sometimes folks try to put monetization in front of that and don't balance those concerns. And it's like, depending on what you're doing, making sure that even introducing usage-based pricing could be such a barrier to adoption that it's just not a good idea at all. Mm -hmm. um, but that, um, you know, if you don't have any other monetization lever for the functionality that you're providing, well, you know, obviously. so. Yeah. I don't know. It's an intriguing one. And uh, certainly my call out to listeners here is like, uh, I'd love to hear more about your thoughts or kind of, you know, is there good guidance out there on this stuff? I feel like it's a um, subject everyone grapples with and there's nothing great to go like read up on, but maybe I just don't know where to look. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have a couple of blog posts on our site where we talk a little bit about this. I would say when it comes to getting adoption, I would say regardless of whether it's subscription or usage base, you have like a couple of avenues here, right? With a subscription, you can have like, let's say, um, you know, a seven day free trial or like, you know, um, you know, 14 day free trial. And with usage, you could also go the freemium route where like you have, let's say the first thousand API calls are free to go beyond that. You sort of like just have to enter your credit card um, and then just like add more details. Right. You, you, there's a lot of flexibility here. Um, and I've seen some companies that don't even think about monetization. They're just like we're in public beta. We're capping everyone at like a thousand API calls or something a month. Um, we just want to get adoption, see whether people even like the product before we introduce monetization, right? Because they want to make sure that people actually like the product before they even think about building the billing infrastructure. And I think with a solution similar to like Archetype or whoever else you go with, um, if you introduce that early, you can just like pull that le monetization lever like immediately and introduce premium and just like have, if people are driving value from your product, they'll be much more willing to pay um, in the uh, like and much faster. Yeah, awesome points, man. Uh, well, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. And uh, I just want to say like, you know, I'd love to uh, hear back from you in a year or so and see how all this, uh, how, how all this plays out. Uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate the time here, Jason. Thanks for listening. If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.